0: Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
1: Indoors or out, fall, winter, spring, and summer, whenever you garden, wherever you garden, this is the show that covers it all, the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dalvin.
2: And the good morning on behalf of the terrific Troika. That would be <laughs> David Gaskin, who is our producer and the first voice that you will uh, hear and chat to when you call in to these numbers, 416-360-0740. And uh, for anybody else anywhere in the province, it's toll free, 1-866-744-740. And of course... Well, I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, and the star of the show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right here, right here in our show. Let's give a big Do-do-do-do-do. welcome to, yes, Charlie Dubbin. and here she is in her. Thank you, thank
3: you, thank you. Thank usual,
2: you. usual good self, uh, good, good looking self. Oh I my! Say. Yes.
3: He wants something. Yeah,
2: I know. <laughs> Extra coffee, maybe something. Yeah, like that. Hmm? something,
3: something in your coffee, perhaps. Yeah. All right. Well, we are here to talk about gardening. Thank you for getting those numbers out there. And while people are scrambling for their phones to be first in line, (laughs) because as we know, it's a call early, call often, but only one One question
2: question. per call. That's right.
3: So Hmm. while you're doing that, I will uh, do scramble for your little date books as well. And we can fill in a few dates, upcoming events that might be of interest to uh, some of you. And actually, some of these things are going on right now today. For example, Today, from 10 until 3 in Brantford at St. Jude's Church, the uh, CD Saturday event is going on.
2: I like CD Saturdays. I knew you I would.
3: Do. And guess what? Tomorrow is CD Sunday in well, Toronto. No kidding. No oh, kidding. Well. CD Sunday is in Toronto from 12.30 to 6 p.m. at Hart House, University of Toronto. Now, this is Explore Diverse Gardening and Seed Supply Booths. So, if, you know, okay. it's exhibitors with stuff for mm. sale. Converse with Toronto's top food and garden nonprofits, profits and partake in the ever-popular seed exchange, which is what Seedy Saturdays and Sundays are all about. Exchange seeds. Get, get some cool seeds. Okay. You're looking at me like I'm nuts. But it, it really is important. Well,
2: it's not a long trip.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for Thank that. Thank you. Okay. Uh, okay. Also going on today and tomorrow is the big, big orchid show. This is put together by the Southern Ontario Orchid Society, and it's big. It's six thousand square feet of orchids on display, which is over thirty thousand orchid blooms right now at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. All day today, all day tomorrow, uh, till five o'clock both days. And um, there's a I I love this photographers only between nine a.m. and eleven a.m. tomorrow. Tripods are permitted between 9 and 11, but otherwise, but that, no uh, no way yeah. because there's too many people. There's yeah. no room for tripods. So if that, if orchid photography interests you, there's an opportunity. Speaking of photography, the Agent Court Garden Club monthly meeting will be held on Monday, mm-hmm. Valentine's Day, 8 p.m. The speaker is Trish Simmons, and she's speaking on photographing your garden, which is obviously, you know, we look at our gardens and we yep. think... Oh, I really like the look of that. And you take a picture and it's like, eh, that picture doesn't do it any justice. Yeah. So Trish has got lots of good ideas for how to take great photos of your gardens or other people's gardens or orchids at, you know, shows. The place, of course, for the Agent Court Garden Club meeting is the Knox United Christian Education Center right there on Midland Avenue, 2575 Midland Avenue, right at Shepherd. Refreshments will be served. There's lots of parking and it's free. Everybody's welcome.
2: Sounds like a thing I'd like to go to. There together. you go. That's money.
3: Well. <laughs> and refreshments are being served. Yes. <clears throat> I don't know if they're free or not, but nevertheless, it's it's a pretty good get good get together. Uh, remember next weekend. So this weekend it's all about orchids. Next weekend it's all about getting a jump on spring. That's the a big event, annual event at the Toronto Botanical Gardens Saturday. Uh, well, actually I guess it is just on Saturday from ten mm-hmm. until four. Again, free admission. Gotta love that. But a $2 donation to the Toronto Botanical Gardens will give visitors a chance for great garden-themed hourly prizes.
2: Oh, that's neat. So that's cool.
3: You all know where the TBG or Toronto Botanical Gardens is. Tony, what's that? Gosh, Uh, nothing. uh, It's nothing, exactly. Gosh. Uh. (laughs) Drop it on the floor and don't even (laughs) pick it up. It's like like dropping a penny these days. Um, (laughs) TBG is located right at Leslie and Lawrence, southwest corner. So definitely check that out.
2: All righty. Is is that pretty well the list, or do you have more?
3: That's pretty well the list. Well, if you
2: find anything else, we can squeeze it in during the remainder of the show.
3: Well, Mm -hmm. I do have a couple of emails that I would love to get to, but I don't think there's time right now. However, I will, at this point, give out my email address, and we'll find some time during the show to get to a couple of these great questions and great answers. The email address is my first initial C and last name Dobbin. He's like,
2: Nothing at modest about me and great <laughs> answers, too.
3: W- waiting for you to pick up on that. Yeah. C Dobbin, C-D-O-B-B-I-N, at am740.ca. And stay tuned for a special guest we have coming oh. on the half hour. Lindsay Nightingale will be joining name, us.
2: Lindsay Nightingale. She's going to
3: sing. No, she's not going <laughs> to sing, but she's going to join us at, at 9.30. Okay,
2: okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so as we look at the clock here, it's uh, nine, almost 9-11, so let me repeat those phone numbers one more time, okay? 416-360-0740 for Toronto listeners. Anywhere else in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. And Charlie Dobbin and The Garden Show shall return after these words.
1: Through rainy days and long droughts, infestations and early frost, she's the one constant in your garden. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: And your sous chef, Frank Proctor, here. Glad to see you on this rather cloudy uh, day, uh, Saturday, the uh, 12th of Feb. Nonetheless, boy, the uh, Niagara Peninsula showing up on the phone lines like crazy here. We've got, first of all, we're going to have a chat with Richard calling in from St. Catherine's. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Morning. I just turned
4: radio down. Um, I got geraniums. Now, a couple weeks ago or three weeks ago or some weeks ago, you said to take the shoots off the geranium and put them into water.
3: You can use water or any moist medium like perlite or sand. Uh, water, sometimes the geraniums will rot. So I'm not a huge fan of water for rooting geraniums. But well, it I'll can tell work. you what I did. Mm-hmm.
4: I, my, my wife drinks a lot of water in these little bottles. So I, I put them in these little water bottles mm-hmm. and put them in wa- uh, just tap water mm-hmm. uh, after she's finished drinking her good water. Mm-hmm. And they've all come to root. Perfect. Wow. And now, uh, how long uh, should I put, uh, let them stay in the water until I put them into uh, potting soil?
3: Actually, Richard, as soon as you start to see roots, you can pot them up into small pots. Yeah. Uh, better to do it sooner than later, because remember, the roots that grow in water are not going to be the same roots that are going to be really vigorous and alive in the soil. So that's why a lot of energy is going into root growth in this in the water, obviously, and ultimately the plants are going to have to grow more roots uh, once they get into the soil. So if you, it's a matter of getting some little four inch pots, and some fresh potting soil, and moistening that potting soil. And I just use a pencil usually, or you know, kind of make a, a little bit of a divot in the center after I've put some soil into the pot. Mm-hmm. Pop one cutting into each the center of each pot. Gently firm the soil around. The, the stem, making sure that the roots are covered, water once, put them in a sunny spot, and leave them alone till it's time to water again.
4: And that will that leaf fall off?
3: Uh, is there just one leaf there now? Yeah. It may, um, it just depends. Yes, ultimately it's going to fall off after new buds and shoots and new leaves start to grow.
4: Yeah, that that will be the main stem, won't it?
3: That, the stem you have in there now will be the main stem.
4: Yeah. Um, Will, will the, the roots uh, be affected if I put it in a pot that's got uh, spider plants in it?
3: You'll find that when the plants are, com- are in a competitive situation like that, so the spider plant got there first and will be the dominant plant because it has a full root system already in that soil, you'll find that quite often the geraniums or any newly added plant will suffer. Oh,
4: How about if I put them in all, both together? Because I got some little little spider pants, some mm. little 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 geraniums.
3: Okay, so they're all just young, and they're all currently in water, just ready to go. Yeah, you could do that. You yeah, as long as they're all starting together in the same pot, and there's no. Sort of from a companion perspective, geraniums and spider plants make fine companions. They, they like each other enough to want to grow together. But the main thing is to recognize that you try and avoid having an established plant in a planter and then adding new ones because yeah. the, the new ones will suffer. But for sure, um, you know, a, a, obviously a little bigger than a four inch pot, then we're talking maybe an eight inch or a 10 inch saucer pan, a, not a super deep container. And sure, put in a bunch of little guys all in there and let them, let them all grow together merrily yeah okay. hey
2: richard i i think you called in just to brag actually uh <laughs> putting those uh, little uh root systems in the water and it all worked <laughs> way to go okay thank you okay thanks for that have a great day thank great you time. very much
3: we like it when people brag you're calling yeah, you brag. I, well, like, I like happy stories he was proud
2: he, he was, was very proud as he that. should be it's like stealing a, his wife's water bottle a so.
3: parent having yeah. little babies plants <laughs> are like babies
2: <laughs> Here's another call from St. Catharines, this time around from Tony. Good morning, Tony.
5: Good morning. Um, my name's Tony Hewitt, and about two months ago, Charlie was talking about certain types of leaves that shouldn't be composted. Now, behind my house, there's a large, and when I say large, it's, it is it's very large plane tree. Mm-hmm. Now, we get a lot of leaves from that tree, and I'm wondering, um, and also in the front, we have a small leaf linden, which is a city tree. I'm wondering whether those, both of those leaves are compatible for composting.
3: Perfect perfect for composting. The plain, What you're referring to as a plane tree, is it got bark that looks kind of like it's got leprosy?
5: That, that's right. It yeah.
3: Right. So it's a, It's actually more commonly called a London plane tree. But yeah, lovely, lovely trees. I, I
5: remember them from England and you, that's how I knew that it was a plane tree. You, you know, And do. it gets those bubbles on them and we used to use those those bubbles, and when we broke them out, we used to put them down one another's necks, and, and it used to make itchy powder.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I've, um, I have Kids don't try that, that at home. Um,
5: but if it has to be emailed, I'll get my wife to do it.
3: Okay, not a problem. But thank but you for both your of call. Those trees
2: are compatible with yes,
3: They're perfect for composting. Thank so you very much. So good indeed. for you Enjoy. having Thanks. nice big trees. Thank, thank you. you very
2: much, Tony from St. <laughs> Catharines. Coming around to 9.20 here at AM 740. Let me repeat the phone numbers. Uh, One more time here, 416-360-0740 for those in the Toronto area. And then anywhere in the province, toll free, my friends, 8, that's 1-866-740-4740. Charlie, you wanted to say something.
3: I wanted to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Yes. I just wanted to say for for Tony, for example, he said he had one more question and he knows we're going to yell at him if he tries to ask it. (laughs) So it's okay you can call, call again. Yes. That's what the call early call often is referring to. It's just that we do want to keep the calls, you know, short and let lots of people get on. So sure. don't force your wife to send an email if indeed you would prefer to call again. That's
2: Exactly. Exactly.
3: And um speaking of uh yeah, getting those leaves and putting them in the composter and being active and and doing things, uh both Frank and I, and several people we know, take a product called Sierra Cell. I take
2: my three pills in the morning.
3: I do now, too. Yeah. All right. I I took. I think you're right. It doesn't work for me in the evenings. Yeah. Works for Elliot, but works for me better in the morning. So the idea is you take three little pills. These are minerals. It's a mm-hmm. mineral. It's a very natural mineral formula in a capsule form. Take three in the morning or in the evening with lots of water. And what happens is is that your aches and stiffness and any kind of joint inflammation that you might have been suffering from will or should disappear. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't disappear, there is a 14-day guarantee. And SierraSil will replace your money uh, if the product doesn't work for you. But it does work for most people. So SierraSil is the name of the product. They have a great website, just SierraSil.ca, Or give them a call for more information. one 877-JOINT-14.
1: Transplanting good ideas from one gardener to another. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: Hello there, Sue, chef Frank Proctor, along with David, uh, our producer, uh, ready to take your calls. And, of course, we have a whole bunch of folks on the line already. Norma from Stony Creek. Good morning.
6: Yes, good morning. Good morning. Yes, uh, Charlie. um, You were talking about orchids this morning, and I have four. Uh, I've had them approximately five years, mm-hmm. uh, some given to me, some I'm uh, trying to bring along for other people. Mm. Uh, but I asked the florist, and he said they're ever-blooming. Mm-hmm. I have as many as 30 blooms on one plant and about 25 on the other. Wow. And they bloom constantly. Yep, yep. And if they're starting to kind of lose their flowers, there's new stems that come Mm -hmm, out. mm -hmm. The only thing I do with them is I water them once a week Mm -hmm. and I put them in a basin with orchid food Mm -hmm. and just a little tiny teaspoon, not even, Mm -hmm. and I just let them soak for about an hour. Oh, wow. But now, I'm just, I wanted to ask you, um, they're kind of getting, I've had them like like five years, and they're kind of hanging over the pot, like growing these huge leaves. Mm -hmm. Uh, I asked the florist, I deal with Hole's florist in uh, Grimsby, mm-hmm. and they suggested that I not transplant them until they stop blooming.
3: Right. <laughs> well, they're blooming. <laughs> Five uh, years from now, maybe. <laughs>
6: but I wondered this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because it's cold. I keep my house at about 70 degree, mm-hmm. but at night I turn the furnace down, mm-hmm. and the humidifier wasn't working on it until my son fixed it. And now I have lots of humid uh, humidity on the window, but i face the flowers face the southwest window Mm -hmm. and i just wondered they're starting to kind of um fade like they're they're starting to die off a bit And I wondered, I've never, I only had this once before, and I don't know the reason. And I just wondered, why am I losing them now? Is it maybe because the plants are starting to get a bit older, or what am I doing?
3: Okay, well, just what comes to my mind right away, you mentioned temperature, and that can have an effect. For meaning that orchids generally like room temperature, so seventy degrees plus, as opposed to seventy degrees. And below. Okay. So there's that, which which can be a little bit stressful on them. I'm wondering if. Um you mentioned you water weekly with a little bit of fertilizer in your water and you water by immersing or, or just letting yes, them I absorb. The, the whole
6: pot in yeah. and I just, just below the line, like I don't let the water hit the top of right. it. Right. And it's always tepid water.
3: And do you do that the exact same schedule year-round? Yep. See, I wonder if that, mind you, you've been doing that for five years, but we know that in the winter, light levels are lower, uh-huh. plant growth is slower, uh-huh. and plants will always use less water okay. in the winter. So I'm wondering if perhaps there's a little bit of that going on and as the plants have gotten bigger and of course the pots haven't mm-hmm. there's more and more root in there and there's less and less substrate mm-hmm. uh, if there's a, a little bit of a, a stress going on for that reason as well.
6: There I- is a lot of roots, uh, roots at the bottom. I had a little plant given to me and it had been wanted from the top all mm-hmm. the time. And uh, so I started putting it in with the water with the others, and it's got three great big beautiful leaves yeah. on
3: it. No, what you're doing is great. You've obviously got a real good, you know, knack. And, and I have and a technique. large
6: bay window. Mm-hmm. Uh, no curtains in front of it. I have good. a big maple tree outside. Oh, good. In so, the summer, less
3: sun in the summer, which is good because it's too intense. Think I
6: should cut back on the watering.
3: Well, I, frankly, what I would probably do—I mean, I water based on feeling the soil, but of course, with orchids, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So, do be aware of the weight of the plant because obviously okay. they're small enough that you know you can lift they're them light. up. So, yeah. wait till they're fairly light. Even if it's a ten-day span between watering, okay. that might make a difference. Now. Rather than waiting for them to stop flowering, I would be inclined to do a transplanting of them into clay pots okay. in March, April, May, something like that. Okay. Uh, you're, 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 uh, the recommendation from your florist was absolutely correct. You don't want to transplant when things are flowering because it is stressful. Uh, we try to do the transplanting when they're not flowering and they can put a little more energy into the new environment. But if they're not gonna stop flowering for you you well, see they you just,
6: keep sending new as yeah. these stems of flowers are going off. <laughs> That's great. The new shoots are coming out and like, right. I can't even really cut them back because the shoots are they're quite so long and I mean, they cover the yeah. window. Yeah. And I just didn't know and another thing was I didn't know what what do you what what would you recommend for the soil, because they have several.
3: Yeah, no, it's an orchid bark that you'll be working with, orchid and that's, bark. yeah, and it's a mixture, usually of fir and spruce and pine bark, that uh, is very much designed as a substrate for the orchids to grow on, okay. and the roots will get, will sort of work their way in there. But clay pots, and that's just right. two inches bigger than what they're in now, if they're in six-inch pots now, you know, you yeah. can go a full one or two inches larger, but no bigger than that.
6: And I have them sitting on stones. Yep, perfect. They're draining
2: well. Perfect.
3: Oh, you know, it sounds like you've got, like I said, Said, good technique going on there, good knack for it. Um, your biggest problem is they won't stop flowering? <laughs> I, I think that's okay. If I,
2: I could reach into our record library, <laughs> I'd be playing the platters you've got the magic touch yeah. right well, now.
6: Yeah. Florist told me they're ever blooming, and that's the only yeah. thing i go, go But I mean, I usually, I have usually 30 blooms on the one that's plant, and the other one goes about 25. Well, and then even the, the other ones, now I have a yellow one. The other two are ones of variegated. the other's solid. I have a yellow one now. And it got kind of frostbitten when I had it given to me. Oh, no. And it's got six blooms on it now, so I've kind of brought that back. But I'm concerned about the temperature yeah. of the house.
3: Well, like I say, that's that's the reality. I mean, the cost of electricity, you know, what are you going to do? You've got to and it has been lower the temperature. Outside, but the window
6: is not cold. Yeah. There's more humidity on it
3: now. Yeah, I would just, don't worry too much about the temperature. Just be more careful with the watering. And certainly okay. do transplant if you get a chance to this spring. Okay, well, thank Thanks, you Norma. Nice.
2: Thanks, All Norma. Right, then. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Take care of Stony Creek. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, a problem. Coming up to uh, 929 here on the show. And another, we're going to have a special guest we coming are. by very shortly. Uh, so
3: somebody we'll, named Lindsay Nightingale mm-hmm. will be joining us.
2: Just going to ask the other callers on the line to be patient. We'll be back to you. Okay. And uh, once we once we reach our uh, special guest, we'll go to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, meantime, I can repeat the phone numbers for those of you who want to call in right after the interview. That would be terrific. 416 Three six zero zero seven forty for Toronto listeners, and anywhere in the province, it's toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And uh, I believe we're all set to uh, roll along here. I do believe. Okay. Good morning. Good
3: morning, <laughs> Lindsay. Are you there? Hi, Charlie. <laughs> Okay, so listen, this is Frank. You've never met.
2: Hi, Lindsay. How are you?
3: I'm doing well, Frank. How are you? Good.
2: Fine, thank you. Uh,
3: All right, now, Lindsay's very involved with the garden that is being created, designed, Mm. and created to be installed at Canada Blooms.
2: Oh, wow, I think it's
3: the biggest garden that's ever been installed at Canada Blooms. It is 9,000 square feet. So, Lindsay's going to give us a little bit of a... uh, um, what's the word? Uh, tour. tour. Tour of. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a little bit of what to expect when we see the garden at Canada Blooms.
7: Okay. Um, well, it is going to be the entrance garden. So as the um, as people come in, they're going to be coming through the Landscape Ontario Garden, and their first view will be an alley of of uh, beautiful tall in in leaf trees, and this alley. Um, will lead them to a very magnificent wall covered with calancho. And at the base of the wall is a beautiful reflecting reflecting pond, Mm. um, which is also going to be Set with a stage, so there'll be a stage within the reflecting pond.
3: Wow! So people swim out to the stage when they want to do a presentation. (laughs) (laughs) You got a little a little punch to get out there. (laughs) Um, It
7: it also has a couple of different sitting areas, and uh, one of them will be an area where Landscape Ontario will be able to promote some of the members that have been involved in this this garden because mm-hmm. there's going to be over 40 companies and easily over hundred volunteers involved in the building of it so I'm
3: not surprised a little,
7: little area for promotion for them and one other area that is quite unique is the vineland research and Innovation Center mm-hmm. um, they are they will be having um, an area an interactive area where uh, where people can come and talk to them and find out a little bit about their center mm-hmm. and and participate in a survey that they will be conducting. Oh, well.
3: cool. Yeah. Well, we've had guests here on the show from mm-hmm. Vineland, so I think a lot of our callers are familiar Perfect. with the research yeah. uh, station center. And like you say, there'll be some of the experts there to chit-chat with the public. Frank yeah. had a question. Well, what no, I,
2: I was just amazed at the size. Did uh, Let me get this straight. 9,000 square feet? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah,
7: 9,000 square feet. Plus wow. about... Four thousand square feet of living wall.
2: Wow!
3: Yeah, so vertical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How tall is the
2: wall?
7: They're fifteen feet. Oh
2: my gosh, man! <laughs> How long is this going to take? You know, to to erect and so forth.
7: Well, the building, the bi- actual build starts on the eleventh. And we hope to, which is a Friday, and we hope to be finished um, on the Monday so that Tuesday is our tweaking day. So we make everything beautiful and right, put in yeah. the furniture and, you know, water and make it look gorgeous. Um, so that's, what, four days? That's
2: going to be a real beehive of activity. It's I'll a 24-7 yeah. operation,
3: yeah. too. And well, and Frank doesn't realize that one of the reasons you want to tweak on Tuesday morning and just, you know, make sure everything's perfect is because at 1pm on the Tuesday before Canada Blooms opens, a whole bunch of judges walk in with clipboards, and all the construction crews in all the gardens, all the designers, everybody is thrown out, (laughs) and the judges come in and they start marking these gardens and determining who's got the best of the best.
7: Yeah, it's it's you know, there's a little bit of pressure on everybody.
3: Just a bit.
2: <laughs> I remember from uh, past years with uh, Charlie, she, she's in a, a, almost a state of nervous shock uh, about this time. <laughs>
3: just, yeah, it's it does. There's a lot that that goes on that has to come together perfectly mm-hmm. because timing is everything. You want every plant perfect, every paver perfect, right? Mm-hmm. You want you know just everything to come together so well just for the a 5-day show. I mean, the yeah. show opens on Tuesday night for a party and the judges obviously, and then Wednesday it's open to the general public. Well,
2: last year I gave her a bowl of valium soup and it was all right <laughs> from that on, that point on.
3: Or so he says. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we know that, so the landscape hunt is huge huge undertaking is mm-hmm. like you said 40 companies are coming together. Give us an idea who some of those companies are.
7: Oh, there's the Beach Gardener. There is James Garfield Thompson. He's a
3: water Water pond specialist. Um,
7: Oh, good grief. Well, (laughs) yourself. Tony from uh, Dr. Landscape. Mm -hmm.
3: Um,
7: There's Great Garden... No, what is it? It's uh, oh, garden creation, Ottawa, mm-hmm. and so they're coming in from out of town. There's there's a whole huge number of people, definitely.
3: Well, and the original design was spearheaded by Haig Safarian, yeah. was it not? Yes, of uh, yes. Safarian Landscape Architect. He used to have a, a TV show back on HGTV called Garden Architecture so yeah so he's the original designer of this immense years, installation yeah. but what about you so okay so so you're in charge what, what are you in charge of in this garden i'm responsible
7: for sourcing all the plant material
3: mm-hmm. so i
7: i go around to different suppliers and ask them if they're willing to donate mm-hmm. uh plant material a lot of our perennials and shrubs and and trees Will return to the to the actual supplier. Mm-hmm. Um, so my role has been to find the best possible plant material and uh, ensure that it gets delivered and installed by a score of volunteers. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, probably in about two days. So after the initial paving stones and all the hardscaping is done, we would come in and, and plant all the plant material.
2: Man, that's yeah, that's a lot of planting to be done in a very short sure order. Sure is. Yeah, oh,
3: yeah, sure. it's thousands of plants, isn't it, Lindsay? Yeah. Do you have an idea how many plants?
7: Oh, I, at one point I figured I needed um, 5,000 um, pots of calancho just
3: in just on for one wall, one area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I haven't done a
7: physical
3: count of how. Oh, that. you're going to have to at some point. <laughs> <Yes>.
2: <laughs> well, that sounds spectacular, really does, Lindsay.
3: Oh, that's and and it's the entrance, as Lindsay yeah, said. That's going to be the first experience of Canada Blooms. So and what's the, the show, what's the date of the show again? Show opens on March 16th, Wednesday, oh, okay. March 16th, and runs through till Sunday, March 20th. Yeah. Now, okay, so one more uh, quick question here. So we've mentioned that there's professionals and companies and they're all members of the association, Landscape yep. Ontario, and Dennis Flanagan mm-hmm. is, is a Landscape Ontario representative who's been here on the show. Again, many of our callers have heard of LO. So what about you, Lindsay? Tell us about your company. What, what um, are you professional at?
7: Y- yes, okay, my company is Yorkshire Garden Services, uh-huh. and we're actually heading into our ninth year this year. Um, we specialize in garden care, Garden renovation, bulb planting, four-season container planting displays, mm-hmm. um, and we we service areas in Toronto and Southern York Region. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a phenomenal business. Maintenance is, is wonderful.
3: You have fun with it, don't you?
7: Oh, I love it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like too.
3: <laughs> Lindsay's great. She's been a, a Canada Blooms volunteer from the very beginning. Uh, and at one time, remember, you did your own garden. Yeah, in two thousand
7: and seven, yeah. I, I did it with uh, Fiona's Garden Gate. We did a joint venture.
3: Right. So you were the the softscape expert, and she did the hardscape, and it came together beautifully. I think you won some awards with that garden. Yep, we
7: won best small garden.
3: There you go. It was gorgeous.
7: It was. It was beautiful. It
3: was very fun. So, well, so you are gonna have have to get some eat your Wheaties and get lots of sleep yeah and Frank will be sending you a bowl of Valium soup that's right yeah. <laughs> so when when we show up at Canada Blooms and we see you and hand you a bowl of soup just eat it don't ask see any it. questions <laughs>
2: <laughs> well real pleasure meeting you Linda and look forward to uh, Canada Blooms sounds like it's going to be just wonderful
3: yeah it's going to be great thanks Lindsay we're all looking forward to it great you
2: soon. All righty. Rightio. Take care. Bye. Coming around to 9.38 here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin from AM740. I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, and uh, we have a number of calls waiting by, but you had a little note here you wanted to squeeze on. I just, yeah, yes? if I
3: can squeeze very quickly. Remember yeah. we had a question. Um, a gentleman named Alan called from Rockwood, and he was asking about carrots and mm-hmm. f- and maggots that appeared on his carrots oh, when yeah. they were in storage. Honestly, I did a whole bunch of looking up on this. Yes, there's some very common insect called the carrot rust fly. Mm -hmm. The thing about carrot rust flies, though, is that they are in the soil. They lay their eggs on the surface of the carrot roots. Typically, the little larvae, after the eggs hatch, the little larva, which are like little Mm -hmm. tiny worms, start burrowing into the carrots. So when you harvest the carrots, you will see tunnels. So there'll be evidence of insect damage. Um, Now... No indication that... Like in his case, he said he was harvesting them and they looked fine. The damage happened later. Could it be that these little... um Insect eggs and larvae are in the sand in his root cellar, perhaps. Or could Mm. it be that the eggs are present and he just doesn't see them? He said he washes them before he puts them in storage, but he's having this damage. Here's a couple of of tips I did learn about how to avoid issues with the carrot rust fly. One is using row covers over the rows. That's that idea of the sort of cheesecloth over top. It just keeps the flying insects from flying in and laying any eggs in the soil or in plants plants beneath oh, the covers. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's a real barrier that you set up. The other suggestion was to avoid carrot rust flies, plant your carrots after July 1st. If you plant carrots before July 1st, you will ha- there will be two generations of this rust fly. Whereas if you plant after July 1st, you can go in between the, the two generations and you can often avoid a problem with the insect. So it's trying to you know, recognize their life cycle and plant around it. The other uh, suggestion was use lots of sand in your rows when you're planting carrots. Sand is not conducive to the eggs hatching or the larva moving through because of the grit. Uh, They experience laceration of their little bodies. I love that. Um, (laughs) The other thing is there is a a nematode out there that can be used uh, to protect and guard insects. Uh, it is a beneficial nematode similar mm-hmm. to what we use in our it's a different nematode but it's similar to what we use in our lawns to try and and look after the grubs the it's a, called Veggie Guard it is available through natural insect control and they are a mail order company so through the web naturalinsectcontrol.com so that's my best suggestions on on the carrot rust
2: fly Thank you, Charlie. And uh, a note to Eleanor in Mississauga. We will be uh, on the air with you in just moments after these words with Charlie Dobbin on The Garden Show.
1: Getting to the root of a growing dilemma. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: And David Gaskin, our producer, has been lining up the phone calls here, and by golly, we've got a call in from (laughs) Mississauga, and Eleanor is on the line. Good morning, Eleanor.
8: Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. I have a clivia plant, and it has about 24 leaves on it. Mm -hmm. It's in a 6-inch pot, Mm -hmm. and the the stem from the last blossoming is still there, and it has like three seed pods on the (sighs) top of it. Yeah. Now, it's trying, inside the middle now is a a flower Uh that's just cramped right down in the leaves.
3: Uh And it's trying to open, but it has no elongation of the stem, right?
8: No, it hasn't, no stem at all. And I'm wondering if it is pot down, because I can see roots up at the
3: top and all around the... Itself. Okay, so this is a great question because this is exactly what happened to me. So, for those of you that aren't sure, it's actually called a clivia, but okay. naturally, we normally call it clivia. But clivia because it's named after. Lord Clive, or some some English, somebody or other who discovered them wherever they were discovered. <laughs> Bottom line, lovely plant, dark green strap-like leaves, almost like an amaryllis with those dark green leaves, yeah. and this lovely orange, typically flower, yeah. that are long-lasting and super cheerful. They're just such a great color. But when the flower stem doesn't elongate and that poor little flower is stuck down inside the the crown of the plant yes. and it's desperately trying to open and it's all squished and it's it's all it's horrible you just feel so sorry for it it's got to be repotted okay uh, and what I, is good time to do that well what would be best would be actually you could do it now or you could wait sometime in the next month to 2 months spring is definitely the time to do any repotting that you're needing to do mm-hmm. definitely use a clay pot when yeah. you move it up to a larger pot because clivia do not want to ever be wet it's an interesting plant that way it really really needs to be thoroughly watered but thoroughly dried down between waterings and clay pots are always the best when it comes to to really being able to keep the plant on the dry side and what kind of soil uh, just any, um, any good quality potting? yeah potting mix, soilless mix mm-hmm. um, the peat based soilless mixes are are wonderful because they tend to drain so well mm-hmm. uh, and they can be you know a real good substrate for a plant like clavia to to grow. Okay. Um, the other thing is uh, if you can now they like a bright sunny spot in our homes. The real trick is to try and um, provide them a downtime, a cool downtime, preferably in the winter, and you'll guaranteed get flowers yeah. uh, by by mid to late winter if you can provide that cool time as well as just keeping it in a bright sunny spot in yeah. between.
8: I have had wonderful success. I yeah. guess I've had this three or four years and you know sometimes i'll get two uh, stems nice. coming and it, it's just
3: a beautiful plant oh good well there you go it is time yeah 24 leaves and six inch pot three or four years later definitely time to move it up thank you very much you're very welcome thanks eleanor
2: thanks for joining us here on the garden show from am 740 charlie dobbin on site and ready to talk to leslie from toronto hi leslie good morning
9: oh hi um I had a question about a dumb cane. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is, my dumb canes, which are quite old, um, the stems themselves are going limp. So the leaves are sort of falling over. They're not standing up at all. Um, I have put in sticks and stuff and attached them, but I just don't understand
3: why they're limp. Okay, so this is where Frank jumps in and says, what a dumb
2: plant. Well, I, don't, <laughs> I was looking at, at the monitor here because David, you know, puts up on the, what subject matter you, you want to talk about. And I saw dumb cane. I thought, what the heck is dumb cane? It's
3: like sugar cane, but dumb.
2: Uh, oh, well, okay. And actually, that's, yeah. it,
3: it is a cane. It's a cane yeah. plant. And like Leslie said, it's, now, are they actually limp, the, these stems, and drooping, or are they yeah. just cur- growing in a, in a...
9: And some of them are going yellow.
3: Okay, so probably or very likely what's going on here is too much water. Okay, this is, a, Diefenbachia is the proper name for for uh, dumb cane. So D-I-E-F-F-E-N-B-A-C-H-I-A, Diefenbachia. This is a plant that... Is very versatile in terms of where we place it in our homes. It can go in a sunny spot. It can go in low light. Uh, it can be a big floor plant and grow up as a as a real tropical in our homes, or it can just start as a small little tabletop or, or windowsill uh, type plant. Variegated leaves make it pretty year round. You know, just, like I say, just a good, real nice, good plant for for the home. The most traditional way that we kill them is with too much water, because that cane, that green cane, holds water. It's full of moisture. So even when the soil is bone dry, that plant still has lots of water uh, available to it.
9: Okay. So is there any way to rescue
3: it now? Well, how big is the pot that it's in right now? Fairly large. Okay. Yeah. So have you been watering on the calendar, just every week or whatever, or do you? Every
9: week, but I don't. I try not to overwater. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't dry, I wouldn't water it, but I probably did overwater it well, at one
3: point. Well, the trick is with the big pots, I mean, we can stick our, our finger into the top inch of the soil and feel the, the um, moisture level, but when it comes to a big pot, who can feel way down, you know, six or eight inches? I, I
9: stick in the meter.
3: Oh, do you have a moisture meter? Good, because yeah. I was going to say that's a wonderful thing to have with, a, with larger plants. So when you use the moisture meter, do you wait until the little meter t- takes it right down to the dry yeah. side of the scale?
9: Yeah. Now, one time I probably did overwater it, but I'm trying to rescue it now. <laughs> okay. And the uh, the leaves
3: have gone yellow. Some of the lower leaves mm-hmm. have gone yellow. Okay, but that lower leaves are the older leaves. Yeah. Yes, it's best to they're going to die. You can remove them, or you can wait till they're completely yellow and then remove them. Uh, the trick with a plant like this is to ensure that it's happy and healthy is to make sure it's got new growth. The new growth is at the tip. Right. If you've got you know good, healthy-looking green new shoots coming, the plant is, is very much alive. However, once it's lost those lower leaves and it's got this kind of scraggly-looking naked stems or canes, it can sometimes be a not-very-pretty plant anymore, and that's when you may want to uh, sever the top. Encourage roots to grow and start a new plant uh, much with much less cane, much less empty cane, so just kind of depending what what the height of it is now and what it looks like, that will probably be your next challenge, but no,
9: getting water.
3: Yeah, don't, well, no, you won't be able to root it in water the way we root our geraniums or, or mm-hmm. coleus, things like that. This is going to be a plant that will be air layered in order. And we talked about this last week with somebody with a cheffleura. It will, you'll need to air layer the plant, which is a whole trick unto itself uh, to do that severing of the top. But for now, main thing is only water it when it's bone dry. So really let it dry down. Clean it up as necessary. If leaves are turning yellow, remove them. You are, gonna, you are allowed now to begin to fertilize your houseplants. Usually March is when I start to fertilize the houseplants once a month. So a little water with fertilizer. With your dumb cane, you should water thoroughly when you water, but let it dry down right to the dry point before you water again. So it might be every two or three weeks when you water, but do fertilize about once a month. That will encourage new growth. And if necessary, you may have to think about even just taking it out of that pot, wash the pot, get some fresh soil, put it back into the same pot just as a rejuvenation later in the spring. And I have to learn the technique for air layering. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And if you have access to the Internet, the easiest place to get that information is with a pictorial display off the Internet. But I will, after we come back from this next commercial break, I'll just give a quick um, explanation on what air layering is for yourself or anybody who would like to to know more. Just grab yourself a pencil and paper.
2: Speaking of knowing more, not many people know this fact, Leslie, that uh, the Diefenbachia was actually discovered by John Diefenbaker... who oh. was once famous for saying, yeah, I have a vision in the North. Oh, Not ig- many people know that. Ignore you know.
3: Frank. He's making that up. <laughs> <laughs> I <I'm laughs> ignore him. <laughs>
2: uh, okay. Thanks for calling. Okay, All 9.52 here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, back in just a moment.
1: Through rainy days and long droughts, infestations and early frost, she's the one constant in your garden. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
2: Now, if this show were being televised on, say, Vision TV, uh, you would see both Charlie and I doing calisthenics. Exercise. Yes, yes. Arms up and down and up and down. Right. We're
3: getting ready because yeah, that's right. we're either shoveling snow or we're out in the garden, but there's always chores to do and we want exactly. to be in good shape.
2: You've got that right. And
3: the way we stay in good shape and stay limber is we use <laughs> a product called sierracil which is a natural mineral supplement which keeps our joints nice and limber, yeah. keeps inflammation down and keeps us active and healthy and ready to go. You got it. More information, one Joint 14.
2: Alrighty. Let's go along to the lines here. A uh, lovely name here, Delane, calling in. Hi, Delane. Where are you calling from, by the way?
10: Well, good morning, uh, Charlie and Frank. I'm calling from Barry. Oh, oh hi from Barry, there. okay. I have a plant that was brought to me uh, from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got it, it was about six inches long.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And
10: I I don't remember what kind of dirt I planted in, but it just sat and did nothing for about two years. Mm hmm. And then I transplanted it into tropical soil, and now it has long-hanging branches with, uh, like, soft, very soft needles in -hmm. it. And uh, I did once try putting some bloom on it, hoping it would have some flowers on it, and that didn't work out. But uh, the branches now are about 20 inches long. mm -hmm and they're loaded and right now it's starting to uh, get new shoots on the branches and i'm just wondering if you would have any idea what this plant might be called
2: soft needles wow yeah uh, do do you have internet at home there by any chance uh,
10: yes i do oh
2: you know if you could take a picture of that and send it to charlie uh maybe she might be able to uh, more readily identify it uh...
3: yeah because off the top of my head yeah. i'm not unless somebody else is seeing a plant here i'm not not knowing what what it is you've got. So a photo would help, okay. <clears throat> whether it's you, you, whether you email me a digital photo or you want to post a, a regular snapshot. I'm happy to look at a picture, and I'd be in a much better position to identify I'm it.
10: I'm surprised it has lasted yeah. for 35 years. Wow, and it yeah. does
3: sound unusual, too, because like I said, n- nothing's jumping into my brain is what it might be. And sounds very interesting, so mm. we'd love to see it. Okay. So please don't hesitate to either email a photo or you could actually, like I say, mail a photo to five... And,
10: f- and uh, what would the email address be?
3: It's my first initial C and my last name Dobbin. So C-D-O-B-B-I-N okay. Okay. at am740.ca. Okay, sure. Thank you so much. So I look much. forward to
2: receiving that. That, that sounds yeah. interesting.
3: Thank Thank you so you. very amazing. Thanks, Thank Delane.
2: Bye-bye. I bet it's a little cooler up there in Barrie than it is in Toronto. Oh,
3: right it's now. not very cool today, though. No, okay, no not bad at all. Just, just quickly, yeah. before we go anywhere, I want to just go back to uh, Leslie, who was calling yes. about the Diefenbachia. Okay, this is what, when a plant like a Diefenbachia, or another example would be Dracaena, uh, or even the Ficus Elastica, which is, you know, Benjamina type plant, or rubber plant, I should say, when they are thick stemmed, and they're tall, and they're overgrown, and they're going to hit the ceiling, and they've got no leaves left on the lower section, and they're not very attractive, and the idea of raising the ceiling or lowering the floor just isn't in the budget, then it's time to deal with lowering the plant Um, Now these, we call it a leggy plant due to loss of lower leaves. So new compact plants can be produced by air layering. So that's two words, A-I-R, layering. So you make, now this is where it's hard to explain on the radio. You find a healthy spot on the stem. It's at least anywhere between six inches and a foot from the top of the plant or the tip of a branch. You slice into it with something sharp like a razor blade, just uh, about a millimeter deep. You wrap the sliced areas with moist sphagnum moss, then you wrap the moist sphagnum moss with plastic wrap, basically, uh-huh. and you leave it like that. <laughs> it's it's a wacky thing. It looks kind of like you know you've got this big bulb. Someone, yeah, like that. yeah, exactly, like a big wasp nest or something growing on the stem. But no, it's it's plastic and and sphagnum moss and the the cut uh, stem below. This uh, can take a couple of months, but. At some point within a few months, particularly when the plant is actively growing, roots will be seen inside the plastic bag. Roots will grow out from the stem through the moss and you 'll see the roots through the plastic at that point, you can sever the stem and of course, below where you're seeing yeah. those roots where that big bandage is and you can very carefully remove the plastic or you can even leave this bag moss, but leave take the plastic away and plant that whole top or tip into a nice fresh potting soil pot. And, of course, the roots have started. Now they'll really start to grow. You've got a brand new plant, and it's a far more manageable height. And it's not all leggy and,
2: and yeah, yeah. not very pretty.
3: It's a lot well, better looking. And,
2: and your initial suggestion is to go to the net maybe for some pictorial advice. Exactly, yeah. pictorial but or very well
3: done. video uh, advice.
2: I, I, I even understood that. There right. you go. Well, Harold in Waterford on the line. Good morning, Harold. Welcome to the show.
7: Good morning. I have a question about tomato plants mm-hmm. and he- huge uh, caterpillar-type green um, crawly creatures, and a lot of them. Are they good for the plant, bad for the plant? What do I do?
3: Okay, so if it's a big monster green larva, and actually it has a horn on it, if you look, it's called a tomato hornworm. Okay. And no, they're not good for the plants. They will eat your tomatoes.
7: Okay. I don't want to destroy them. How do I get rid of them naturally?
3: You don't want to destroy them, but you want to get rid of them. What well, I yes. do, they're so big, eh? like they're really easy to pick oh, off. Oh, absolutely. But uh, you know what? I'm all for, for the cycle of life and, you know, working with nature. I pick off my tomato hornworms and I throw them onto my black driveway in full sun <laughs> 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 where they either bake very quickly or where a bird, bird yeah, exactly, goes, oh, there's lunch and picks it up. That's but the bottom line is they're no good. That's correct. You do not want them. Thank
2: you very much. Thanks, Harold. Uh, Igor came, came through once. Oh, yes, let's find ways to, to torture the animals, uh, the little bugs, insects. Hey? Oh,
3: come on. I, I look after. I don't hurt lots of p-
2: no, bugs that's true. and that's
3: insects. True. There's just yeah. some. I take pleasure. But you, you,
2: well, any of the little bugs that crawl along, you know, uh, sharp objects and lacerate their little bellies, you just love talking about that.
3: Well, because I, it's such a great visual. <laughs> yes, I love that. All their little bottle juices oozing out oh
2: lovely lovely and on that note (laughs) and on that note as you're having breakfast my friends uh thank you very much for joining us on the garden show
3: and thank you so much for all your great calls great questions thanks dave you're the best thanks frank you're also the best and i'll see you everybody next week
0: this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740